Well, good morning again. Take your copy of God's Word. I hope that you uh, have it with you. If you don't, you can find a copy in the pew in front of you and open to the book of James. The book of James. We are going uh, verse by verse through the book of James, this very practical book, and it's a, a series in which we are titling A Faith That Works, and that is the overarching idea that, that we get when we read through James, this, this book that uh, one commentator wrote and said is the bossiest book of the Bible. If you take, uh, if you take the number of words and divide it amongst the number of imperatives or commands, James has the most imperatives per word count of any book in the Bible. And so in that way, it is a bossy book. It gives us lots of things in which it tells us how we should live out the gospel. It is a very different book than, say, Romans, where Paul is, is arguing wonderfully, but, but arguing about concepts of God and salvation. James has very little... argumentation about those types of things. He assumes that we are Christians and he says, this is the way that our faith is lived out. Particularly when the going gets tough, when we are in tough trials. And so I hope that you, you have that. If you would, pray with me as we begin looking to God's word today. Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you again for its truthfulness. I thank you again for its accuracy. I thank you, Father, that we can believe in your word, that it is uh, theonumatos, it is God-breathed, it is fully inspired, it is, it is something that we can look to and that we can trust and that we can base our lives upon it. Father, I thank you even more that it's not up to us only to understand it, but you give us your Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding into your word. And I pray, Father, today that you would allow your word to apply, be applied deep to our souls. Father, that we may not just have an academic exercise here of seeking to understand words on a page, but Lord, you would train us and mold us through this time, that we may be shaped by your word, that it may change the way that we react, it may change the way that we think, it may change the way that we live, that it may create in us more a faith that works. Father, we thank you, for we know that this is your desire for us and that you are at work doing these things in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was told, I remember this conversation, I was told by somebody on the search committee, we don't have hurricanes, okay? <laughs> it took the Wilsons four months of being here. No, we, uh, <laughs> if, you have, if you have your copy of scriptures, uh, again, look at James. We're going to look today at chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and the, the concept here, the overarching idea is a faith that matures, Do we have a faith that matures, a faith that grows to maturity? Now, God has created life in such a way that life seeks maturity. Whether it's plant life, whether it's animal life, whether it's human life, there is growth and there is development and there is this ongoing march until maturity, right? An acorn in the ground in the right conditions can become a a ginormous oak tree. We all began very, very small at conception. 
And yet, we continue to grow as, as children grow, as grow into infants and children and, and onward. I was thinking about some of the ways in life which we mature, these points of life that we think about. You know, as a small child, as an infant, we want to move, right? We want to walk, and that's a, a great struggle for us. And then, as a child, we want to be grown up, right? My, my small children talk all the time about how they want to be grown up and they want to grow up and then you look forward to becoming a teenager and then you look forward to becoming 16 so that you can drive and then you look forward to becoming 18 because you're now an adult and then you look forward to college or maybe beginning a career and then you look forward most of us to finding a spouse and then once we find a spouse, we continue to mature and we look forward most of the time again to children and, and having children. And then this wonderful moment happens after we start a family where we look forward to our children getting out of diapers. That was, a, that was an amazing point in my life. Um, and then we, we begin raising our children into young adults and we watch them grow and we watch this this cycle and this change and this phase in our lives as we mature continually. And then we advance in our careers. Then we're launching children from homes. Then we have this ongoing march to retirement, maybe being a grandparent. And then what I've told at that point, all you look forward to is doctor's appointments. (laughs) But life is always maturing, isn't it? Our life is always maturing. We are always changing and progressing forward day by day. It is, a, it is a march that we cannot stop. What about your spiritual life? Have you ever thought about the maturity of your spiritual life? How does our spiritual life mature? This is a, a phrase that the Bible talks about, that we would become mature, that we would no longer be children in the faith. We all begin At the moment when God gives us a new heart, we all begin at that moment of regeneration. We are sinners and God places faith in us. We acknowledge Jesus Christ. We understand the gospel. We commit our lives as we looked at last week at the opening passage here in James. We all begin at this one place and yet God's goal for us, Scripture says, is that we would be mature. The ministry of the church, the ministry of me as a pastor, is to seek to see that individuals would come to faith in Christ and that they would grow as disciples into mature believers. How does that happen? Have you ever given much thought to that? Today our text is is centered around this idea of a growing maturity, of of welcoming and understanding and working with God as He matures us. And the answer as to how we mature from this text might surprise you. The answer here is that God uses hard times to grow our faith. That God uses hard times to grow our faith. And our text shows us that a faith that seeks maturity is one that embraces these various trials. Look with me. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. This is our text. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
Lacking in nothing. The first thing that I want us to see here is that spiritual maturity is God's goal for us. If you are in Christ, spiritual maturity is God's goal for you. We're going to look at this text backwards. We're going to start, instead of starting with count it all joy, we're going to begin in verse 4 and look at the purpose of these trials. It says that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. These are the words that James shows us to to tell us, to communicate to us that God has a goal, that he has a a purpose in our lives. He has a purpose in the things that happen to us, and that is that we would be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let's let's look at these words. The first thing is that this, this perfect or maturity, that mature might be your translation, um, the older text, the ESV, which is a newer text but follows some of the, the older traditions, uses this word perfect. And this sometimes gives some confusion about what perfect would mean. But the idea, I think, is, is better translated and communicated mature. That we would be fully mature. When, when something is, is fully mature, it has developed to its end. And God's goal for us is that we would be in a maturing process and that we would fully mature as Christians. That he who began a good work in you will complete it. That God is working to mature us. This is his goal for us. His goal in our life and in what he is doing in us. If you are a son or a daughter of, of God, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, know this, God wants you to grow spiritually. He wants you to become more like Him. He wants you to be a disciple. Right? We talked a lot about discipleship. The, the second part of the discipleship, that, that we would teach them to obey. That we as disciples would learn to obey the commands of Christ. That, that our faith would work. That it wouldn't be just something that we believe, but that it is something that transforms us. That we would become a mature Christian. This is God's goal for us. When hard times begin to come around your life, There is encouragement here in realizing that a sovereign God is working these things because He wants you to grow in your faith with Him. That helps us, doesn't it? That helps us. The second word here that he uses, complete. The the idea here is that nothing is missing. That nothing is, is missing. That a mature life, a mature spiritual life is one in which God has brought us through various things, exposing our sins, exposing our weaknesses, that God is exposing His wonderful grace, His wonderful mercy, His goodness to us, His faithfulness to us, that we are complete, that we are not lacking things. Now, I know, friends, in my own life, if I were to take an inventory, there's areas where I would say, I'm lacking. I'm not there yet. I'm glad that God is still working in me and through me, that He is still growing me more. That though I am not where I want to be, I am not where I was. And so God is working this goal that we would not be lacking, that that, that there would be no lack. Um, that, That we would be complete. Complete. The idea here is that, that we are mature, that we are not lacking, that we are complete, that we are whole, that everything is there. This is a process. We're not like this the moment that we're saved. And here's another thing. This is a side note. This is a freebie, okay? Not even in the notes. Don't expect from new Christians that God has taken them through the years of development that He has taken you through. 
We need to be an encouragement for all of those who confess Christ, for all of those who are in the process of growth, for all of those who are going through the trials and reacting in the ways that we used to, that God has brought us through that trial, and now we're facing new ones. God is working in each of us individually to perfect us, to bring us to maturity. It is helpful for us to keep this in mind. So this is why I wanted to start at the end. I want to start with what God is doing. The whole reason for trials, the whole reason of all that is going on is that God loves you and he wants you to grow. He does not want you to remain the same that you were. He wants you to spiritually mature just as as he has created us to physically mature. He has created us and works in us so that hopefully we are spiritually spiritually maturing as well. It doesn't just happen. It it doesn't immediately happen. We're not saved and mature Christians. It is a process of growth and trials, and we seek to, to know God and to love Him, and we also seek that as He works in our lives and He delivers us from things and He answers prayers and He sometimes doesn't answer prayers, that we grow. Leonard Ravenhill, uh, an old fireball preacher, um, he, he tells a story once, and he tells about a group of tourists, and they are visiting an old picturesque village in the mountains somewhere. Just, just imagine, you know, you're on this beautiful tour, and there's an old man from the village sitting outside, sitting down, let's say he's whittling, okay? And somebody from the tour walks by, and he asks the question. He looks at the old man, and he says, were any great men born in this village? And the old man looks back at him and says, nope, only babies. <laughs> it's a profound answer, but it's true. It's true. In life, no one is born great. There are no instant heroes. Everything is in a process of maturity. Think of your faith this way, this way as well. No matter where you are, whether you've been a Christian for a year, whether you've been a Christian for 60 years, God is still working to mature your faith. And so when we face trials, when we face hard times, when we face various things, know that God is allowing this for us because in it, he is growing us. Growth takes time. Second point, God works through the things that happen to move us towards maturity. So God's goal for us is to spiritually mature. How does God do this? Through the things that happen. And things is a big word here. Things is a big word here. Um, and, and we see this. Look, look at this. Um, James writes, he uses this word, various trials. Or trials of various kinds. It is not specific. And, and it's interesting to note, For each of us, different things will pose different various trials. What may be a trial for your friend, for your neighbor, for someone else may not be a trial for you. And what may be a trial for you is not necessarily a trial for them. Be careful of trivializing the trials that individuals are going through, for they can be very real for them. And so James writes here, various trials, trials of various kinds. The idea here is anything that would test our faith, any kind of trial that would test our faith, the, the language is broad and it includes whatever may be happening. Sometimes these trials are 
involve finances. Sometimes these trials may involve health. They may involve with dealing with or the repercussions of sinful decisions. They may and often involve relationships, whether a wife, a husband, a child, a mother, a father, an aunt, an uncle, a friend. Relationships bring us many various trials. Sometimes they involve persecution. Sometimes they even involve hurricanes. (laughs) James addresses, it's helpful for us to remember who James is talking to. He's not talking to people who are going through the great time of their life. If you look back at verse 1, look who James titles this letter to. To the twelve tribes of the dispersion. Now this brings us back to Acts where it talks about the Christians being sent out of Jerusalem. They were scattered. They were under persecution. They were under threat of death. This is the audience to who James opens his letter and begins with, Count it all joy, brothers, when you face various trials. Count it joyful, brothers, that you're being persecuted. Count it joyful, brothers, that you no longer have your home. Count it joyful, brothers, that that our brothers and sisters in the faith are dying. This is a radical idea. This is a, a radical change in our thoughts and the ways that we would would normally accept and think of trials, isn't it? It is very radical. It is very different. And and so what whatever the trial may be, whatever the trial may be, the the the, the idea here, the, the hope here, the imperative here is that we would look to God and look to what God is at work doing through it. It, it says here that the testing of our faith develops steadfastness or patience. Your version may read. Look at, the, look at this language. It says that, that the testing of your faith, that it develops steadfastness, that it may prove genuineness, that in what God is doing in us is proving to us the genuineness of our faith. Do you have moments and times that you look back on and and see, yes, I know I have faith because I remember when I went through this and what my reaction was. I remember seeing how God worked, that, that our capacity to endure these trials builds this steadfastness, this maturity in the faith. Many of us would, would rather be, would rather live life in a greenhouse, okay, in a greenhouses, greenhouses are the perfect environment for plants. They're protected from the elements. It stays a constant temperature. They're watered evenly and equally at the right time every day. They're usually potted in the perfect soil. And so a plant, it seems like, can flourish in a greenhouse. But that's not how God grows us. God grows us the way that you would want a resilient plant, the way that you would want a plant that can survive in your yard in front of your house, a plant that has been tempered by different weather, a plant that has been tempered by the winds, a plant that has had to dig its roots deep to survive. That's what God is doing with us as he works through trials in life to develop our faith that it would be steadfast. That it would be steadfast. 
The third thing that we can think of as we, as we look at how God uses things, how God uses trials, is that there is steadfastness is necessary for spiritual maturity. We will never become spiritually mature if we do not develop this patience or this steadfastness of faith. It's obvious as James describes this. Look at this. He says, let steadfastness have its full effect. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So if we were to think about this sentence, we would say that without this steadfastness, without these trials, without this endurance, without this character development of faith that God is doing in us, we would never reach the point of maturity that God wishes for us. And so it is important. In other words, we must we must be in full development of this endurance, this perseverance, this steadfastness must be fully developed that we can be spiritually mature. Do you think about that? Do you think about, do you, do you ask the Lord, Lord, grow me in you, grow my faith? Do you look at where you are and wish and think, God, I should be further along than I am? Do you praise God and thank Him, saying, Lord, thank you for developing faith in me that I'm not where I was? Do you see a difference in how you handle trials after many and various times that God has shown you His faithfulness and His goodness? Does that make an effect? Have you gone through seasons of life? I've been through many seasons of life that I would never want to go through again. Very difficult days. I remember days when I was only able to pray Romans 8.28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. Have you had those days? Have you had those days where you pray, Lord, I don't know what is going on. I don't know how. I don't know why. But I know that in this you are working for my good because I love you and I trust you and I believe your word. Have you had those days? Have you had those seasons? Have you had those moments? Have you had those hours? In those, I would never want to walk through those days again. But you know what? On this side of it, I can see and I can say God was doing an amazing thing in me and in my life and in my faith. Can you say that? Can you look at those days and can you be thankful that God has brought these trials to you? The underlying truth here that James is teaching and that we need to hold on to is that God is at work in everything, in all of the various trials that we meet. And the reason that He is at work is because He has a goal for us of spiritual maturity. And so our third thing that I want to, to, to bring to you is the response. Go back to verse 2. If God is doing, if God's goal is spiritual maturity and the way in which He accomplishes this is through various trials producing fruit in our life, producing steadfastness that brings this maturity, how should we think about these trials? That's, that's the way this text is laid out. How should we think about these trials? What should our attitude towards these trials be? And so we should joyfully welcome anything that brings and moves us to spiritual maturity is the point that James is making. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. This is a radical way of thinking about difficult situations in our life, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, it's a radical way of thinking about it. The first thing I want you to see is that 
how you respond to hard situations is a choice that you make. How you respond is a choice that you make. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, when you meet various kinds of trials, when you meet various difficulties. James says here that we have a choice. We don't have a choice about what will happen to us, but we have a choice about how we will endure through it, about how we will accept it, about how we will move forward through this. This is the first of the 54 imperatives of this book. Count it a joy. That's a command. You've got tough things coming. Count it a joy. Why? Because it's fun. No. Because you know and you understand that through this thing, God is going to show himself faithful. That through this thing, God is using this hard time, this difficult time, whatever it may be, this various trial to grow your faith. And I want to grow in my faith. That's why this is a text about spiritual maturity. What James is saying is you need to grow in your faith. You need to have a desire to grow in your faith. Look for these things not as difficulties. Look for these things not as hardships. Look for these things not as bad, horrible things. How will I overcome this? But look at these things and say, God, you are going to make me more like you through this. That's how we go through various trials. That is our response. The Christian approaches life with a conviction First of all, that God is sovereign. He is over all things, that he is in charge. And secondly, they know that God is working good for them. If we can approach trials with these two things, then we can have the attitude that God, no matter what comes, you're doing this to grow me more like you, that my faith would be deeper and would be stronger That is the approach that we take. And it's an attitude. It is a conscious attitude that we take towards trials. Uh, God's purpose is accomplished as we choose to rejoice. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know, this is the part that catches our attention. This is a radical statement. This is not our natural inclination. When various trials come, when the doctor gives you a bad diagnosis when the pink slip comes across your desk, when, when whatever it may be that's a trial, when the weatherman stands up and says there's Hurricane Matthew forming in the Caribbean that's headed to Florida, we don't immediately on our own think, oh, thank you, Jesus. Unless we have a bigger idea of how God is working in our life. And then we can say, Lord, this is going to be tough. But I trust you and I know you're going to get me through it. I know you're going to build my faith in this. Let me be a testimony for you as I endure this trial. That is a radical attitude. That is the attitude that only a Christian can have, can display. That is the peace that passes all understanding. The peace that passes all all understanding. So James tells us that the wise and practical approach is to open our arms to trials. We do not rejoice in suffering. We know that it will be difficult. We're not, we're not, we're not trying to say, oh, it's easy. It's going to be, it's going to be hard. I've walked through, many of you walked through, we've all walked through very difficult times in life, painful, hard times in life. But when we walk through them with a hope in Christ, they become easier. 
when we walk through them and we're out of them and we have hope in Christ, we can see, God, I would never want to do this again, but I'm glad you did this in me. I hope that's our attitude. That's the attitude you have when you welcome trials, knowing that God is developing us for maturity. When you have a a desire to become a stronger Christian, when you have a desire to know God more, to have a faith that acts more, a faith that responds to God's graciousness more, that is the reaction. Can you rejoice right now in what's going on in your life? Many of you are facing difficult seasons. Many of you, things are kind of okay. But if you stopped and you thanked, and if we honestly had right now, give me, a, give me a prayer request. I'm sure every one of us at this moment has some sort of a trial, some kind of a difficulty that God is working in your life. Can you embrace that with joy? Can you honestly say, God... I know you have a purpose in this. I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to go through this. We're going to get through it. We're going to pray through it. Whatever it might be. But I hope because I know you. Is God growing your faith like that? Can you do that right now? Are you confident that God is bringing good out of the circumstances, whatever it may be, the various trial that you find yourself in? Here's a test. This past week, how did you respond? Yeah, don't you love it when God just gives us an illustration? I mean, they don't have to be this big, but, but this past week, how did you respond? This was a big deal, people. My, my fear is that because this hurricane had such a potential to be so strong and so bad that the next time one comes, because it will, that, that, that individuals, hopefully none of you, because I'm going to get on to you, will say, oh, well, Matthew was supposed to be a Category 4, so I really don't have to worry about it. I don't want to hear that. This was a big deal. This had huge potential. How did you respond? Did you respond as one without hope? I went to Walmart at 9.30 on Tuesday night. I saw a lot of people responding like there was no hope. Okay? I saw people stealing stuff out of other people's carts. Because if they didn't have that roll of toilet paper, they were going to die. How did you respond? It's a test for your own heart. Did you respond with faith? It was a difficult time. It was very trying. It was something to be worrisome about. I'm not, I'm not saying that it wasn't. But in the end, do you say, I responded with hope? In the end today, can you say, Father, thank you. I see you at work through this difficult situation, through what could have been catastrophic. You have delivered us. It's a test for your own heart. Are you thinking this way? Or can you use how you reacted as a way to say, I don't want to do that again the next trial, the next thing that comes across, I want to have faith through it. I want to respond and count it all joy as I meet various trials. I want a peace that passes understanding. Let, let, me, end with, let me end with this illustration. Um, Helen Hayworth Lamille. She was born and raised in England in wealth. She was a very well-known songwriter. In fact, she probably wrote 70 to 80 very popular hymns, some of which we still have, many um, we don't have. They were very popular in the 1920s through the 1950s. Uh, Mrs. Lamel, she married into nobility. Her husband was a, an English lord. 
And very soon after she was married, while she was still a young woman, she became blind. Her husband divorced her because he didn't want to be married to a blind woman. And whatever the circumstances were, she ended up destitute in Seattle, Washington, living in a tiny room in a home where the rent was paid by the county. She had nothing. Now, you probably know the most famous song that Mrs. Lamell wrote. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Going through hard times doesn't have to give us hard hearts. Remember these truths. Remember these truths. First, God has a goal for us. It's spiritual maturity. To obtain that, He takes us through difficult trials, various kinds, difficult situations, revealing Himself and His goodness to us. And that if we know this, and we know this is God, what God wants for us, we should want this as well, and we should have an attitude and a heart that welcomes these trials because we know it will be an exercise in faith that will grow us. Church, I hope you have that hope. I hope you do. Recognize this, though. Before we can ever respond to trials this way, we must first be able to acknowledge, as James does in the first, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ must be our Lord. We must be found in Him. We're going to have a song of invitation. And perhaps the Lord has revealed to you um, this morning, I need to change my heart. I need to change my attitude. I need to change how I deal with these situations. I would invite you to pray where you are. Perhaps you want to come forward and pray. You're welcome to do so. Perhaps you're thinking, I don't have this peace. I don't have this hope. I don't have this faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, call out to Him. He is willing to save all who would call. Whoever who would express faith in Jesus Christ, whoever would trust in Him as their Lord and Savior, He will forgive your sins. He will cleanse you and He will save you. Call out to Him. You can come forward. You can pray to Him there. Tell someone. Tell me. Tell a deacon. Tell a, tell a friend. Tell someone that we could have this peace, that we could have this understanding, that we could know through the trials of life what God is doing. Father, I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that you are seeking to grow us in Christ, that we may become mature. I want to be a part of that, Lord. I want to grow. I want to I be more like you. I hope all of us would say, I want to be more like Christ. I, I, want, a, I want a stronger faith. But to do so, Father... You take us out of the greenhouse and you put us in the field. You expose us to the wind. You expose us to the rain. You expose us to difficulties. But the whole time, your hand is upon us. The whole time, you are guiding us. The whole time, all things are working together for the good of those who love you. And we know that and we trust that. And so, Father, let us all make a commitment to submit to you in the various trials that come in life. Allow us to gauge our hearts upon just this past week and this threat of the hurricane being so catastrophic. And how did we react to that? 
Change us, change our thinking, change our life, change the way that faith works within us, Lord. Father, if anyone here does not know you, would you give them the faith today to come and to accept you as their Lord and Savior? In Christ's name we pray, amen.